And this is how God deals with us. Simply by making us wait, he increases our desire, which in turn enlarges the capacity of our soul, making it able to receive what is to be given to us. I don't know if you guys saw this. It was really embarrassing, but uh, Daniel Radcliffe, uh, he fell down a hill pretty hard. And um, yeah, it was really it was really embarrassing. They got a bunch of pictures of it. And um, he wasn't even doing anything like down the hill that was that like indicative of him falling. Like he was he was just walking. JK rolling. Hey everyone, welcome. That was a hard joke to get into, but it was really satisfying to tell. Welcome to episode 190. Um, it's so great to have you all here. If this is your first time listening, we start every episode with a joke, so I hope that brought you joy. If you didn't get it, maybe go back and listen to it. Maybe you didn't know it was going to be a joke, and so you weren't listening for a joke, and you just are still like, what, what is happening? What is going on? But I would love for you, once you figure that out, to please rate and review this podcast because it helps other people find it. And especially if it's the first time uh, listen for you, we'd love to hear your feedback. And if you've been listening for a while and you haven't left a review or a rating in a while, you can do that. They let you do that. So you should do that again, and that would be really great. But the highest compliment you can pay me and this podcast is to share this with your family and friends. If you do so on social media, please tag us at Man of Food for Thought on Instagram, where we're most active. Or you can find all of our other contact and social media info on our website, manafoodforthought.com. And while you're there, click on the subscribe button to get our weekly email uh, of our psalm reflection sent directly to your email every Wednesday morning. And you can click on the Give tab on the homepage if you feel so inclined to contribute to this podcast financially for as little as $1 a month and become a patron. And I'm so grateful for all of you who support and listen. So let's get into our joy junk in Jesus for this podcast. Uh, every week, if you're a new listener, uh, I go through a, a joy, a junk, and a Jesus moment. I encourage you to do the same thing with your friends and family. And if you feel so inclined, please let me know what's going on in your life. I would love to hear. Uh, joy in, in my life this past week was Thanksgiving. We hosted both of our sets of parents. Uh, we both have small families. My wife's an only child. I have one sister and my sister was off with her in-laws. And so uh, just the six of us and our kids and it was nice and simple and easy. And um, we all kind of split up the meal. So yeah, it was not chaotic. It was enjoyable. And that was really great. <clears throat> and that week was also my best friend, Jenna, my former co-host of this podcast also. It was her birthday. So uh, happy belated birthday to you, Jenna, again. And so, uh, yeah, it was really great to just celebrate with family and friends. Um, my junk, uh, today, Hannah was back to school from break, and it was so good to have her home, and she gets she gets a little emotional going back to school. And so, um, yeah, it was particularly hard this morning dropping her off. She just, she was really holding back the tears because I told her, like, if you can keep all the tears in this week, she kind of has an issue with getting to uh, quickly and volatile, uh, volatilely, volatile. I don't know what the word is. Her emotions are very volatile <laughs> and and quick to uh, ignite at school uh, and in general. But so we're trying to work on that um, and still, you know, tell her emotions are good and she can express them. But there's a, a productive way to do that, a constructive way to do that. So I told her this week if she's able to kind of like do that constructively. 
uh, that we'll go on a special date at the end of the week. And I was like, we'll have our special time no matter what, but we'll go on an even extra special date at the end of the week if you can do that. So I could tell she was really fighting it back to like not let it out. She came back and hugged me like four or five times before I eventually had to walk her most of the way to her classroom. So uh, yeah, prayers for her and her sweet little uh, emotional heart. And um, yeah, uh, I'm so grateful she misses us and I don't want that to ever end. So I'm not I'm not sorry for that, but I do uh, I do appreciate that she's learning how to express her emotions using her words and not just like collapsing or having a tantrum. So um, so it's good seeing her mature in that way, but it was also still just like my, my father heart, you know, just like, oh, I just want to squeeze you and take you back home. Uh, so that was a little, uh, little bit of junk from today. And then Jesus moment from the past week, so many just because of the holidays and things. And uh, it was a joy to decorate with the kids and see just the joy of, of Advent and Christmas, you know, already at work in them. And But yesterday was a very jam-packed day in ministry for me. Um, We had the right of acceptance and the right of welcome for those in OCIA. We had an OCIA session where I taught on the last things, death, judgment, heaven, hell, and purgatory, which are heavy subjects. And then we had an afternoon Advent retreat for the parish with a full packed hall, uh, and I gave the talk for that. So it was a very full uh, weekend, and those weekends, it's like they're good reminders of me to just be like, Lord, I can't do this by myself. Like, you've got to do this. Like, you know, um, I can't give these talks on my own. This is all all you. And when I, whenever I do that, and I, I pray I do that often, but especially in those overwhelming moments where it's like, there's no possible way I could even attempt to get in your way, Lord. He really shows up in even bigger ways. So that was, that was evident and really beautiful to see um, how people were impacted. So um, praise God for that. Let's get into our episode for this week. We're in a new liturgical cycle, y'all. We're starting a new liturgical season this Sunday. Uh, is the first Sunday of Advent. It is Catholic New Year. Happy early Catholic New Year. And with every new liturgical cycle and, and a year, we begin a new uh, uh, cycle of readings. And so we'll be in cycle B, which predominantly will have us in the Gospel of Mark most of the year except for certain liturgical seasons where we will smatter in uh, the Gospel of John, like we do every year. So uh, in case you didn't know, there are three cycles for the Sunday readings, cycle A, cycle B, and cycle C. We just finished cycle A, which is predominantly Matthew. This coming cycle, which begins Sunday, is predominantly Mark. Cycle C is Luke. And in all three years, we have a smattering of the different segments of John that uh, do not have similar, uh, similar stories in Matthew, Mark, or Luke especially in particular liturgical seasons like Advent, Christmas, Lent, Easter. Not so much in ordinary time, but um, yeah. So that's how that, that cycle works for Sundays. There's an actual two-year uh, rotation um, for the daily readings, um, and I think those are just called uh, cycle one and cycle two uh, for, those, for those daily readings. So um, <clears throat> yeah, so we're beginning a new cycle. And with that, we're beginning... Um, a new gospel, and also a new uh, letter for our second reading, which we uh, always focus on for this podcast. So the second reading for this upcoming Sunday is from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. Now, 1 Corinthians was the first of many letters that Paul wrote to Corinth, only two of which we still have and are part of Scripture, First and Second Corinthians. Uh, but we believe there are at least one or two letters written in between those two, and perhaps more later, based on different contextual clues from Scripture. But This is definitely the first letter. Corinth was a major port city and a religious and economic center in Greece. 
Uh, Paul goes there as a missionary, and he lives there for a year and a half. You can read about that in Acts chapter 18. So this is a beloved community that he helped found. He baptized people there. He knows the community there. Um, he lived there for, for a while. And since he's left, other teachers have come, and they've started preaching things, and people had started to faction off. that I follow Paul. I follow Peter. I follow this teacher, Apollos. I follow Christ. And there's division. <clears throat> and as Paul is moving off and starting these other churches, he gets reports that things are not going well, that they're dealing not only with division, but also with sexual immorality and impurity. They have questions about food purity and ritual laws of Judaism and whether or not uh, sacrifices, food sacrifice to idols will cause scandal if it's eaten. They have questions about their gathering and how they, um, the gathering of the mass and how they are to be church with one another. And, um, you know, there's this great kind of epilogue on the resurrection. Uh, at the end as well. So all these different issues and questions coming up, Paul seeks to answer those in 1 Corinthians. He corrects those problems, all of these problems, um, by using some part of the gospel message, the message of Jesus Christ and the good news of salvation. And he challenges them, he's trying to challenge them to see that they're not actually believing what they say they're believing. And if they really remembered the good news and what Paul taught them, they would be acting differently, more in accord with what he what he originally taught them. So that is what awaits us in 1 Corinthians as we dive through that uh, in the coming weeks. But especially today, uh, we're in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. That's at the very beginning of the letter. So this is essentially the greeting uh, that Paul is writing to them. So this is what Paul writes to the church in Corinth. He says, Brothers and sisters, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always on your account. For the grace of God bestowed on you in Jesus Christ, that in him you were enriched in every way, with all discourse and all knowledge, as the testimony to Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift, as you wait for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will keep you firm to the end, irreproachable on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ, God is faithful, and by him you were called to fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, uh, not only here do you have the title, uh, Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus, used five or six times to remind these people to orient all of their identity and all of their questions all of their life to the fact that Jesus is the Son of God and he is the Christ, Christos in Greek, which means Messiah. Paul also uses these kind of key phrases here um, in, in these verses. Uh, the verses at least that stood out to me are the phrases were, as you wait, and then a reminder that God is faithful and by him you were called to fellowship. So as you wait stood out to me particularly because we are called to a season of waiting during the season of Advent. Advent comes from the Latin word adventus, which means arrival. It comes from the word advenire, which means um, ad, to, and venire, come, so to come. So an advent is an anticipation of a coming or of an arrival. And during the season of Advent, we are waiting and anticipating the arrival of Christ in three different ways. We are awaiting and anticipating his arrival historically as he was born and became incarnate to save us 2,000 years ago. We're also awaiting his eventual second coming. And so there's a nice bridge between this last Sunday, the solemnity of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, the King of the universe, and talking about the end of time, and then moving into Advent, because the readings are kind of seamless. It's all about anticipation and expectation. 
And you'll actually find in the gospel reading for this Sunday, it's not about Jesus being born. It's still about stay awake and be ready because we're also anticipating the coming of Jesus again at the end of time, his second coming. And then the third way that we prepare, that we wait and anticipate the arrival of Christ during Advent is that we are expecting to encounter him every single day of our life. So both in the past, his birth, both in the future, his second coming, and both in the, pre- and in the present, every day Jesus is seeking to come to us. And so we wait in anticipation for that Advent, that arrival, his coming each day. So why do we have this season of waiting? Well, just like Easter is a season of joy, it has its preparatory season in the season of Lent, where we're called the prayer, fasting, and almsgiving in order to set aside our distractions, obstacles, and sins so to be more prepared to celebrate Easter. In the same way, Advent was traditionally celebrated as a miniature Lent, where we also commit to prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Uh, These things are less emphasized now, especially the fasting part because of the holidays and the fattening and all of the (laughs) events and parties that we go to, not a popular invitation to make this time of year, but one that we should consider nonetheless. Prayer, we're, also, we're obviously called to kind of uh, call to mind uh, and, and maybe commit to an, an additional spiritual practice during the season of Advent so as to better welcome Jesus Christ into our hearts and celebrate the joy of the Christmas season. And obviously to give alms. This is also a season where a lot of people do more charitable giving. Uh, it's the end of the, uh, the calendar year, so it's, you know, tax benefit for some people. But it's also the season that's painful and difficult for many people. They don't have food or access to gifts or supplies, or they're dealing with loss and grief from loved ones who passed away that won't be here this time around for the holidays. And those memories of when they were here well up. And so there are a lot of different ways that we can be spiritually and uh, physically providing for the needs of our, our friends, our family, our, the people in our community, uh, those who, who go without. And so um, Advent is, is, for that reason, a season of preparation, um, just like Lent, so that we can better enter into uh, the joy of Christmas. But it is also an invitation to wait. And why, why is waiting beneficial? I mean, most of us are, are pretty impatient. In fact, the word for suffering in Latin is patentia. Um, or I'm sorry, the word patient comes from the Latin word patentia, which means suffering. Sorry, I got that reversed. But so for many of us, we experience patience as a, as a sort of suffering. You know, we don't like to be patient. We don't like to wait. It's, it's difficult. It's a sacrifice, especially in a world where everything is at our fingertips and we can get, you know, same day or next day prime delivery on almost anything. And we can have, uh, you know, the world's information at our fingertips in a moment. And if the Internet goes down, oh, Lord forbid, things going slower or connections being slow, it's like, you know, the, the next apocalypse. But Um, we don't like to wait. So that being said, I I always find it prudent to be reminded of this homily from St. Augustine. He gave this homily on the first letter of St. John. It's homily number four. Uh, St. Augustine, this was, he lived between 354 and 430. So this is the late fourth century, very early in the church. He's one of the church fathers. And he gives this uh, sermon about waiting and, and the benefit of it. So this is what he says. It's a little bit longer of an excerpt. So forgive me for reciting it, but I think it's valuable. He says, you do not yet see what you long for, but the very act of desiring prepares you so that when he comes, you may see and be utterly satisfied. Suppose you are going to fill some holder or container and you know you will be given a large amount. 
Then you set about stretching your sack or wineskin or whatever it is. Why? Because you know the quantity you will have to put in it, and your eyes tell you there is not enough room. By stretching it, therefore, you increase the capacity of the sack, and this is how God deals with us. Simply by making us wait, He increases our desire, which in turn enlarges the capacity of our soul, making it able to receive what is to be given to us. Isn't that beautiful? And maybe, hopefully, that that transforms your concept of waiting or the impatience you may feel, especially if you've been praying for something. Maybe you've been discerning for something, uh, discerning something for a long time. Maybe you don't know, you know, what your vocation is, or you have a pretty good idea, but God is not getting around to finding you that special someone, or you getting accepted into a religious order or a seminary or whatever it is, or finding that job and you feeling like, all right, Lord, I trust you, but why has this taken months or even years? for you to deliver. And St. Augustine says that in the waiting, your heart is enlarged, your soul is enlarged to be able to receive the, the abundance of what God is trying to give you. That if he gave it to you now, you wouldn't be able to hold it. You wouldn't be able to receive it. And so part of this uh, invitation to waiting is because we're not yet ready to receive what God has in store for us. Part of the benefit of waiting also is a recognition that we may be waiting for the wrong thing. Advent is an invitation to let go of attachments, to let go of idols, sins, expectations, to let go of our plans. Because remember, God is faithful. He does not change. He's going to provide good things for us already. Remember, all things work for those who love God. Uh, All things work for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. That's Romans 8, 28. And as Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so he is always seeking to provide and to intercede. Uh, He's not changing his mind left and right about what he wants to give us. And so we need to be reminded that the Lord is faithful. We need to be reminded that maybe the things that we're waiting for, that we have our hopes set on, are not good for us. And that maybe the Lord is protecting us by making us wait. In fact, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 3, it says, The Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. Maybe he causes us to wait because he's protecting us from attack. He's reminding us of his faithfulness. Do you know that God is faithful even in the midst of attack, even in the midst of loss and despair? I'm reminded of, of Lamentations. And Lamentations is, is basically the lament of the prophet Jeremiah at seeing Jerusalem and the temple being destroyed by the Babylonians when they come in, you know, about 600 years before Christ and completely decimate the city. And their entire system of sacrificial worship and connection to God is removed. And so Jeremiah says in Lamentations 3, starting uh, in verse 20, kind of partway through, he says, My soul is downcast, but this I will call to mind. Therefore, I will hope The Lord's acts of mercy are not exhausted. His compassion is not spent. They are renewed each morning. Great is your faithfulness. I know in the midst of waiting, it's hard to be reminded that God is faithful. Remember, he does not change. He is with you even in the midst of attack, even in the midst of loss and despair. He's even with us in our own sin and our own disobedience. He remains faithful. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, 
chapter 2, I'm sorry, verse 11, he says, uh, Paul writes this to Timothy. He says, this saying is trustworthy. If we have died with him, we shall also live with him. If we persevere, we shall also reign with him. But if we deny him, he will deny us. If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. So God will respect our decision to completely deny him, but it does not change his faithfulness because it's part of his nature. He cannot deny who he is. So even in our own sin and disobedience, God is faithful. Even in loss and despair, God is faithful. Even in the midst of attack, God is faithful. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so if you find yourself in a season of waiting this Advent season, not only for Christ, but waiting for something very specific, recognize that maybe God is allowing you to be in the season of waiting because you are not yet ready for the abundance he has in store for you. You need to grow. Your soul needs to enlarge in anticipation of the abundance he's going to pour into your life. Or maybe it is a recognition that you are waiting for the wrong thing that your hopes are set and your eyes are fixed on something that will never satisfy you. And so God will never provide that for you because he knows it's not good for you. Remember, prayer doesn't change God, it changes us. And so sometimes the more and more we pray for something and we recognize God's faithfulness in not giving it, the more we are compelled to change and say, all right, God, I've been praying for this for a long time, but maybe it's not your will. And so I will change. I've learned from this prayer that I need to change to be more conformed to what your will is. What is that, Lord? Because I know you are faithful. If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. And that, brothers and sisters, should compel us to joy and thanksgiving, which are part and parcel of these seasons of Advent and Christmas. And so I pray that you would, in any way that you're waiting, be reminded of God's faithfulness, but especially during the season of Advent, to have your eyes fixed on him and his faithfulness and ask yourself, am I being faithful in return? In what ways can I pray and fast and give alms so that I am detaching from a lot of the consumeristic and materialistic habits of this season, as well as my own idols, my own sins, expectations, plans, attachments, and be reminded of the fact that this whole time is to prepare for Christmas, not to receive gifts and material things, but to receive the gift of salvation from Christ. Be reminded of his coming 2,000 years ago. Be reminded that he will come back and that I will need to render an account of all that I have done and failed to do, and that Christ is seeking to come to me today and every day. Am I noticing him? Or am I ignoring his invitation? Am I drowning out his voice with the things of this world and the noise that will never satisfy or fulfill my heart? Advent is an opportunity to start anew. It is a new year. And in the midst of that new year, not to just go right into celebration and New Year's resolutions, but to recognize I need to prepare to receive what the Lord has in store for me this year. And so I pray that you will be able to do that and pray for me that I will be able to as well. That is all I have for you this week. Know that I am praying for you. And until next time, I will see you in the Eucharist. God bless you. 